You want to stand? You can if you want. I don't care. Sure, I don't care. You guys want to sit on the floor in the front? Go right ahead. Go right ahead. I got no problem with it. Any other takers besides Nevaeh? No? Who remembers the series we started last week? I hope you would. You made the graphic. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty top notch, if I do say so. I mean, the graphic is a guy that's walking. He's hiking up a mountain. What? Whatever it takes. Look at your neighbor and say, whatever it takes. Sure you do. That guy. Nobody said it to John. Everyone look at John and say, whatever it takes, John. <laughs> that one works. That gets everybody talking if I have to yell at John. <laughs> whatever it takes. What was last week's message? You guys remember? For what? Whatever what takes. Nothing? You guys got nothing? I'll be honest. Last week was probably one of the most important messages I could ever preach. It's the foundation. Well, I understand that. If you weren't here, I'm not talking to you. Although you could listen to it online if you want. She ain't feeling well. Shay Felix. Shailene Felix. That's right. God doing whatever it takes to bridge the gap to have a relationship with him, with us again, right? That's what it was all about. Nevaeh made a good point. I think we should pray for a lot of people. There's a lot of people not here because they're sick. Um, so I say we should pray for those people right now. It's always okay to take a moment to pray for others. God, I pray for those that are sick, those that are dealing with sickness right now. I pray healing over them and uh, over their bodies. I pray that they would get the rest they need. I pray for McKenna that her kids would sleep tonight so that she can get the rest she needs. Um, God, all those that aren't feeling well, Lord, like we're going to learn about tonight that you died for our sickness to be gone as well as our sins ultimately. And, and Lord, I just believe that healing is theirs tonight. Heal them now in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Whatever it takes. What's the series all about in one word? Determination. Thank you, leaders. <laughs> They're listening. They've been reading the graphic. Are you guys determined people? Are you guys determined people? Some of you might be going, eh, I'm not a determined pe person. Some of you might be thinking, I'm a real determined person. Don't get in my way. Anna made a good point. It might depend on what it's for. Some of you are real determined to get home after school's done, right? What's that? I am real determined to have no more snacks anymore. <laughs> Just kidding. 
You guys remember what the word determine means? Listen up. Definition of determine. What you got? What's it mean? Whatever it takes. Hey, that's a good point. Maybe that's why the series is called it. Dead set. Focus. What you got, Nevaeh? Never giving up? I think it's a good definition. Yeah? Just a reminder, if you guys weren't here last week, I'll read these and these will be new to you. But also a refresher for those of you that were here last week. She's still fine sitting up here. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. That's cool. <laughs> Reminder, Oxford Languages defines the word determined as having made a firm decision and being resolved not to change it. Webster's defines it, the essential meaning as having a strong feeling that you are going to do something and that you will not allow anyone or anything to stop you. Full definition as Having reached a decision, firmly resolved, made up your mind. This whole series was really brought to me by the Lord with the passage I'm going to share with you guys tonight. When I read this passage, this series came to mind. It wasn't last week's sermon that actually came to mind for me. It was my genius wife telling me we need to start with that. (laughs) And I think she was right. That God was willing to do whatever it takes to have us. That was last week's. Now here's on the flip side. Are you guys willing to do whatever it takes to have him? Because he did whatever it takes to have you. Now the ball's in your court. What are you going to do? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? This story that I'm going to read to you guys, which comes out of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, each one of those Gospels shares this story, but I'm going to specifically read out of Mark, which is chapter 5, if you got your Bibles. Who here has their Bible? Raise your hand. Bring it with you guys. It's true, as long as you got the app. Mm-hmm. Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 24 through 34, I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation sure Josh has it up there. Awesome. So follow along with me. It says, Jesus went with him. He's talking about a man named Jairus, who his daughter, who was 12 years old, became incredibly sick. And she was lying on her deathbed at home. She was about to die. And he comes asking Jesus to come heal his daughter. Who here is 12 years old? Anybody? A few of you? Brandon's still 12. <laughs> There's a few of you here that are 12, right? Anyone younger than 12? Some of you raised your hands twice. <laughs> I think you're just confused as what you are. So it says here, Jesus went with him. After he said, can you come heal my daughter? He said, all right, bring me to her. And so this is where we leave off. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed. There's a whole bunch of people that were there when Jairus came to talk to him. They all followed, crowding around him. You guys ever been in a situation like that? In a huge crowd? A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years. The whole length that this little girl was alive. 12 years she had been suffering. 
with constant bleeding, it says. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Verse 27 says she had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Everyone say, immediately. The bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask, Who touched me? Fair question, right? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. It's almost like he ignores them. He's like, you guys don't understand. <laughs> Somebody touched me. <laughs> Not even him, but his robe. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Oh, guys, that is a powerful passage. <laughs> I've been reading this all week. <laughs> and at moments of trying to fight off tears as I'm reading this. <laughs> so I want us to pray. God, thank you that you came to end our suffering. God, thank you that you were willing to perish so that none would have to perish. God, thank you for doing for us what we justly deserve, that you were undeserving of it, that you laid down your life willingly so that we would know what it means to be really, truly set free and alive. In Jesus' name, amen. When Jesus hit a certain point in his ministry, he was constantly surrounded by people. All the time. Everywhere he went, he was a celebrity. I mean, all it would take is one big-time celebrity to come walking through Butte. And, like, one person saw a celebrity at Walmart, everybody would go there. <laughs> so many people would try to go find him. Name somebody you're like, I've always wanted to meet this person. Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Johnny Depp. If Johnny Depp, if Johnny Depp were at Walmart and you found out about it on social media, because let me guarantee you, you would, real quick, you'd find out about it. Who would go to Walmart? No? I might be like, hey, I need to get stuff anyways. Sure, why not? Got some bragging rights. <laughs> it wouldn't take long. Last year, I can't remember what time of the year it was, I think it was during the summer, there were some supercars that were in town because they were doing some filming for a Top Gear episode, which is a show about cars, if you didn't know. And I mean, like, it was all over on social media. And that was a car. It wasn't even a person. It was just a car. Granted, it's Top Gear, which is also people, right? But 
I mean, it was everywhere. It was all over the news. When it hit a certain point in Jesus' ministry, he could not go somewhere without being noticed. Every time he went somewhere, a crowd followed him. There were times he tried to slip out unnoticed, and he failed at it sometimes. <laughs> He'd try to get away unnoticed, and people would see him. You go, hey, there he is. Katie's going to preach about one of those next week. <laughs> but I got a picture for you guys. When I read this about crowd following him all around him, and you read different translations, it gives a different picture of what it looked like, of the crowd. So throw the picture up there. Uh, you guys might be familiar with these. Where's Waldo? <laughs> Where is he, guys? You see him? <laughs> Luke goes over there. Yeah, yeah, close look. Where's Waldo? Where do you think he is? Is he right here? Over here? Is he up here? Huh? Huh? I wanted a laser pointer tonight. I could not find one. And then John comes walking in to give me my key I borrowed him last week. There's a laser pointer. I'm like, I need that. <laughs> I was like, this is an answer to prayer. Thank you, God. Where's Waldo? Hard to find him, right? Kind of the point of it. But he's real difficult to find. And when I read, when I read this passage, and it says in that verse, in verse 1, crowding around him. Hard to find. You want to, I'll be honest, this is like, I think this is the hardest Where's Waldo I've ever seen in my life. It is so difficult. I'll give you guys 20 more seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Did you find him? All right, here's where he is. Right there. This is his face. All it is is his face. Right there. There he is. All right, you see the hand? You see it now? You see the pointer? Follow it. Right there. Isn't that ridiculous? All right, you can take that down. <laughs> yeah, you can't lose this. Jupiter loves it way too much, right? <laughs> when I read this passage, I was like, that's what it reminds me of. <laughs> crowding around him. But here's the thing. That word for crowding... It's a really, really, it is interesting. Let me share it with you. In Mark and Luke, both of them use a different Greek word to describe what the crowd was like. Crowding around Jesus. So in Mark, it uses the Greek word, libo. Say, libo. libo. It's a Greek word which means to compress, to crowd on all sides. 
It's this picture of pressing something. When you're compressing something down, you're pressing in on it. Yeah, I mean, like the pressing of grapes or in an olive press to squeeze out the oil to get olive oil. Luke uses the Greek word sumpino, which is a little bit different. Sumpino. Sumpnino. Or. Sorry, sorry. Okay, let me say it again. Sumpnigo. I was saying it wrong. Sumpnigo. Sum. Sum. Pni. Pni. Go. Sum. Pni. Go. So this Greek word, I think is, it's a way more accurate understanding. I mean, Luke was a guy of great detail. And so I really think the word that he used really pinpoints it well, but I think both of them together give the full picture. Because the second, the second Greek word means to strangle completely or to literally drown or figuratively to crowd. Isn't that interesting? To choke or to throng. A lot of translations will say they were thronging about him. They were pressing in on all sides. Some translations say crushing him. That's one translation, I think it's the NIV translation of Luke's account. It says that it was to the point of almost crushing him completely. That's a really intense crowd. And he was just leaving to go heal somebody. And then this crowd just surrounds him. They're pressing in on him and even hindering him from being able to get to Jairus' daughter efficiently. Which is what I would imagine Jairus wanted. <laughs> was for him to get there soon. But they're coming in on him, they're crowding him. You could imagine if the, the crowd in Where's Waldo was hostile. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> that would be a whole different kind of book, right? <laughs> Where's Waldo? <laughs> that dead body in the corner. <laughs> so which word is it? I think it's both. Because I believe that the one that's in Mark kind of gives an understanding of where the crowd was. What, like, how were they? They were all around him, completely surrounding him. They were on every side. One says where the thronging was coming from. And the other one says what it was doing to him. How it was there. There were some people that were probably a little hostile towards him, and there were some people that probably weren't. But the crowd was just all-encompassing, completely surrounding him. Have you guys ever been in a crazy crowd before? Black Friday, years ago. People getting trampled to get a good deal on a TV that's going to break in two years. <laughs> like, really, let's be honest, right? Some of you, however, when I read this passage, you're like, man, I know what that feels like. I feel like that with my life right now. I feel like there's this choking happening, like I'm drowning. Like I, there's nowhere to get air. I'm struggling. I'm struggling in every area of my life. It's like everything is coming around me, choking me, 
surrounding me to the point where I'm almost suffocating, which is what one of the words for this actually means. You all right there? You need some water so you're not suffocating anymore? <laughs> Go get some water, Shay. Huh? Well, we could open the door. Yeah, go get her some water. Yes. Go get some water. Some of you feel this way, though. Listen up. Hey. Guys, listen up. We need to separate you. We will. Some of you might be thinking, why is this my life? Why am I dealing with this? I'm sure that woman was thinking the same thing. Why do I have to deal with this? How am I ever going to get out of this pain and misery? I've had some conversations with some of you. I can imagine some of you feel this way. This lady dealt with this for 12 years. 12 years. Some of you here aren't even 12. Some of you here are 12, and that's it. Your whole life. That's how long she was dealing with this ailment. And it was to the point where she spent literally everything she had. Every dollar was spent to try to get rid of this, and it didn't work. Nothing she did was enough. Nowhere she went was enough. Then, she heard about Jesus. She heard about him. She had exhausted every option, except for this one. I was going to bed. Do you guys have any idea the implications of having this problem that she had was? Let me... Let me give you an understanding of it a little bit. We're not, nobody here is Jewish, right? I don't think anybody is. Even if you are, do you have an understanding of their Jewish laws and what was required? Who here has read the book of Leviticus recently? All the way through. Anybody? <laughs> Leviticus. Here's the thing. To have an issue of blood like this, you were, you were like a leopard. You weren't around any social gatherings, any crowds. You could not be around people. Anyone who touched you was unclean then too. And even anything that you touched was unclean. If you were to sit down in a chair, nobody was going to sit in it after you until it was ceremonially cleansed. I don't even know if there's a way to do that. They might have just thrown it out and got a new one. <laughs> go through you'd have to go through town shouting unclean unclean so that nobody touched you nobody was around you here's the other thing the fact that she was even a woman in this society guys listen up the fact she was a woman in this society a man she was not able to engage in conversation with a man in public you guys listening I didn't think so Hey, Ian, come sit up here, please. Ian, come sit up here, please. Mm -hmm. I want you to listen. 
She, guys, for the last 12 years, she lived her life basically as a total outcast, as a nobody. Nobody wanted to be around her. Nobody could be around her. She wasn't allowed. She wasn't welcome. Some of you are like, I know what that feels like. She was a nobody. She wasn't allowed into the synagogue, which is basically their version of church. She couldn't even go there because she was ceremonially unclean. She couldn't walk into the, the synagogue. She was despised by everybody. The gospel tells us of Jesus in this crowd. And I believe it shows us that Jesus knows what it feels like to be crowded, to be pressed on all sides, to feel like you're being choked, to feel like you're being pressed to the point of suffocation, like you're drowning. Guys, Jesus knows what that feels like. He knows what it's like to go through that, to experience life pressing you to the point where you're like, how much more can I take? How much more of this pressing can I endure before I'm crushed completely? He knows what it's like to feel a sense of drowning, and there's no way out. Try and put yourself in her shoes. Mark tells us, that she had exhausted all choices of getting healed. She spent everything she had to do anything she could, and nothing worked. That's a tough place to be. Here's the thing, though. It made matters even worse for her. She did so much so that her situation just got worse and worse and worse. I mean, I'd like to think that at least one of these treatments that she underwent ended up at least alleviating the pain so that she could endure through it. But that wasn't the case. Every single thing she did, did nothing, and maybe even added to it. <laughs> maybe even made the problem more. Maybe it was the treatment she underwent that made things worse. But either way, things got worse and worse for her. Her problem never got better. There are teachings from rabbis that were in another Jewish book known as the, the Talmud. This is an entirely possible, the things that she actually ended up doing. Now, it doesn't say in Scripture that this is actually what she did, but based off of the assumption that she did everything, she went to all physicians, she exhausted her options, it's possible that these things are what she went through. So this is a commentary that talks about this passage. And listen to some of the things that it says are maybe what she ended up doing. What the woman may have suffered can be estimated from the Talmud, which includes a list of treatments in Jewish culture for, quote, the woman that has an issue of blood. That's what she had, right? Because among them were, and this is quoted words, it says, take of the gum of Alexandria the weight of a fractional silver coin and then take of alum the same, of crocus the same. These are all types of like spices and seasonings. Let them be bruised together and given in wine to the woman that has an issue of blood. If this does not benefit her, take of Persian onions. Now all you got to say is onions, right? 
It's egg of Persian onions. Three logs or pints. Boil them in wine. That sounds delicious, right? (laughs) Yeah. Boil them in wine. Ugh. Let them be bruised. If this doesn't benefit, take Persian onions, boil them in wine, and give her to drink. (laughs) And say, arise from thy flux. If this does not cure her, I'd be very surprised if it cured her. If this does not cure her, let her in a place where two ways meet, at a crossroads. I don't know why a crossroads. (laughs) And let her hold a cup of wine in her right hand. Like this, and let someone come behind and frighten her. <laughs> How is this going to work? And frighten her and say, arise from thy flux. <laughs> yeah, right? She's got bleeding. But yeah. <laughs> How many of you would be willing to do that to your friend, huh? Really? <laughs> oh, you got an issue of blood? Let me help you. <laughs> don't do that. But if that is no good, which you probably won't, take a handful of cumin, the seasoning, a handful of crocus, which is another spice, and a handful of fenugreek, another kind of fennel, it says, and let these be boiled in wine and give them to her to drink and say, arise from thy flux. You guys think those things are going to work? <laughs> I read that, and I'm like, oh, i got to read that to them. <laughs> How often do we do stuff like that? It might not be any, like, ancient home remedies. But guys, we've got problems in our life. The only thing that's going to save your problem is bringing it to Jesus, grabbing hold of him to get what you need, doing whatever it takes to be determined to go to Jesus. And yet we do all sorts of other things. Surround ourselves with our our friends that really aren't going to help us. Friends. We go from boyfriend to boyfriend, girlfriend to girlfriend, thinking that's going to work. All we need is a relationship with somebody to make us feel complete. Guys, it's not going to work. We go from thing to thing to thing, whatever it might be. You might be looking for affirmation from whatever it might be, your parents. You try to be the best person in your class, thinking if you get all straight A's, oh, you're going to be happy. Your life's going to be perfect. You'll be good. Be the star player on a sports team. Go sports. We do this though, right? Yet there's, we're still suffering. There's still this suffering inside of us which is not able to be alleviated from any of these things. Yet we do it. We go from one thing to another. Have you guys ever been sick, and then you take something to try and help you, some type of medication, and it's like, yeah, maybe for a moment it helps. And then suddenly you get worse. Right, John? Been there? Is it just me? Anybody else? I feel like, That's what life is like sometimes. When we choose to go to something other than Jesus, we're like, 
I need something to help me out. I'm, I'm so depressed. I'm so anxious. I'm so this. I'm so that. All of these things. Life is pressing in on me. I feel like I'm drowning. I need this thing. You go to this thing. Whatever it might be. Helps for a little bit. And you're like, oh, yeah, that really helped. I feel much better now. And then a month goes by, and you're worse than you were before. You think the problem's gone. And you find out that it's not. And you're wondering, how in the world am I going to get over this? When is this misery ever going to go away? When is this pain ever going to leave me? She went from one thing after another. Not one of them ended up helping her. Not one thing ended up alleviating her of this pain. Then she heard about Jesus. Because she got desperate. She got so determined to get what she needed that she was willing to do whatever it takes to encounter him. Whatever it takes to get to him. Because this was a crowd that was, by some accounts, it seems to be vicious. It was a really pressing crowd. Have you guys ever been to a concert where the crowd is just so thick? And you're like, I want to go to the front. What do you got to do? You got to, hmm. You got to be a jerk, really. <laughs> That's what it takes. <laughs> you be like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to that front. I want to be there. <laughs> Maybe you had to use the bathroom. And you're up at the front, and you're like, I need to do whatever it takes to get to that bathroom. <laughs> get through this crowd. I mean, you got to force your way through the crowd to get where you need to go, no matter where it is, whether it's the front or not. And I feel like that's the kind of crowd she was in. A lot of scholars believe that she went during this time because then she could be incognito. When there's a crowd, it's hard to figure out who they are, right? Just like, where's Waldo? She's like, oh, I can hide in a crowd. But if I'm by myself and I sneak into a little group, maybe 10 people in the marketplace, everyone's going to know it's me. They're going to start running. But if I go in this moment, nobody's going to notice me. Jesus did. She got to the point in her life where she said, whatever it takes, I will be freed of this. I don't care if I'm seen as crazy or seen as a freak. I don't care what people end up thinking of me. Hopefully they don't see me. Some of you are waiting for that moment to come to Jesus. You're like, I'll come to Jesus when nobody notices me. Come to Jesus. <laughs> Can't hide forever, guys. I'm sure she's thinking, I don't care if I don't care about anything else anymore. I need to get this gone. Whatever it takes, I will be freed of this problem. She was willing to do whatever it takes. Guys, others were in this crowd, right? And they got nothing. They got nothing from Jesus. All of the pressing, the hoarding him, the thronging him, none of them got a single thing. Why do you guys think that is? I think it's because she believed 
She believed he was the one that she needed. She heard about Jesus. She's like, that's what I need. I need, I'm going for it. I'm going after it. Okay, some of you here have heard these messages over and over and over <laughs> for months. Some of you heard it for years. How long does it take for you to realize he's what you need? How desperate do you need to get in your life before you realize nothing else is working? Nothing else is alleviating this pain that I have. Nothing else is doing the job. I've tried everything. Have you tried Jesus? <laughs> Here's the thing, you can't just try him. You get determined. Right? That's what this series is all about. Determination. And that's what she did. She got determined so much so she said, I'm going to get through this crowd. I'm going to get to him. Whatever it takes. I don't care if he's busy. <laughs> I don't care if he's dealing with something. I don't care if he's going to heal somebody else. Because that's what he was doing, right? He was busy in ministry. She's like, nope. I'm going for it. I'm going to get that healing. I'm going to get the healing now. Whatever it takes. Others received no power from God, but she did. She believed he was what she needed. Let me say it this way. Jesus dying for you Listen very carefully. Jesus dying for you does nothing for you until you realize it's all that you need to be freed. You have to come to that realization. Jesus dying for you does nothing for you until you realize it's what's going to free you. How many more options are you going to try? before it gets to be too much. And you go, okay, I guess nothing is going to work. <laughs> Guys, I'm here to tell you something works. Something works. Last week and this week, I believe are the most important messages you can ever hear. Somebody came to die for your sins to have you, and they were willing to do whatever it takes to have you. Are you going to do whatever it takes to receive it? To say yes. To say, I'm all yours. Nothing is going to hold me back. Can you put yourself in her shoes? Twelve years of dealing with this. And then it's gone. Just like that. Guys, it says in here that she could feel her body was healed. Have any of you been in that position? You had something so horrible, and then you're like, I know it's gone. If you guys have heard John's testimony, you know that it's true. <laughs> Some of you have experienced it yourself. She finally realized that it was what she had needed all along. When she touched him, she knew she was healed. I'm going to read that verse again that's found in Mark. When she came to realize what had happened. 
says in verse 33, Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at her, to her knees in front of him and told him what, he, what she had done. He said, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Immediately the bleeding had stopped. Verse 29, it says that she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. The word feel in there is actually gnosko, which is the word for knowing. It's this, you know it. You're like, I know that this happened. Guys, when you come to Jesus for reals, when there's, there's no, no gimmicks, no conditions, you just come to him and say, God, I'm yours, you're what I need, I know it, and I can't deny it anymore. I need you. And you say, I'll follow you. You know when that happens. Your life is different. The things have changed. And that's what happened to her. The other people in that crowd didn't have that experience. They were all surrounding Jesus. They were touching Jesus. They were maybe even punching him. I don't know. <laughs> but they were all surrounding him. It doesn't just take being around him. It takes going to him, willingly, intentionally, knowing nothing else will save me except for him. Nothing else will do what I've been needing all this time. And that's what she experienced. She knew, without a shadow of a doubt, I'm healed. This is what I've been needing all along. Jesus dying for you does nothing for you until you believe it was all that could free you. How much more will it take to convince you? I want everyone here to stand up. I want the leaders to come forward. And like last week, we had time for you guys to be able to come forward and get prayer for something if you need it. Some of you here might be thinking, I've been fighting this a long time. I've been trying every other option, hoping other things would work to get rid of this. And all the while, you're knowing none of it's going to work. Coming to Jesus is difficult, guys. It's not easy. Because it requires you to face yourself. It requires you to face what you've done, the life you've lived, and that it doesn't measure up, that it's not enough. It takes you being able to face your sins and say, God, forgive me, I couldn't do it. But here's the thing, here's what he said, just like he told this girl, this lady, who suffered with the issue of blood for how long? Twelve years. Just go in peace, your suffering is over. Some of you have been waiting to hear those words. You're never going to hear them until you come to him. The suffering goes because the sin goes. Now there's suffering that you will endure. I'm not going to say you won't. But that's not the suffering he was talking about. He was talking about the suffering of the sin in her life. The suffering of 
of the sickness that she'd been dealing with for years. Gone. Now, if you suffer for the Lord, that's a whole different kind of suffering, and there's a lot of blessing that comes with it later. But the suffering he was talking about, that so many people go day after day trying to find something to alleviate the pain that's not Jesus, it just gets worse. Until they come to the realization, this is what I need to do. I need to come to him. And that's, that's the truth. That's what needs to happen. So I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to give you guys time. If you want to come to the leaders to talk about this sermon, go ahead. If you're needing to come and you need healing, just like that girl needs. Just like the woman needed too. If you guys need prayer for somebody in your life that needs healing, that's what Jairus did. His daughter needed healing. He's like, heal my daughter, please. Come up here and talk to the leaders. God, we thank you that you were willing to do whatever it takes to have us. God, I pray that we would we would realize that nothing else matters other than getting to you when we don't have you. You are willing to do whatever it takes to come to us, to have us. God, other than every other religion, you came to us. All of the religions try to get us to get to the divine. But Christianity is different. You loved us so much that you were willing to come to us. You came to us. Lord, I pray for freedom tonight in people's lives. They would walk into the freedom that's found in walking to you, giving their life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and play a little bit of music, Josh. And I'll give you guys a minute. If you guys need prayer for anything, come on up here.